we keep talking about all of this and the depth of it, and then we always come back around to, well, we're really not scratching the surface. And then for people that talk for a living, we can't come up with the right phrase of how much this is even just touching or getting near the surface <laughs> yeah. of all of this. There's so much. And, uh, you know, for us who and who get to spend our time with worship and with the Word and digging in, and it's all fascinating. But yeah. uh, I, I'd be the first to tell you that we have not even... Uh, Approach to what I love about what I get to do in terms of teaching on the feast is that every year, every single year, uh, I ask God, you know, shall we do this again? <laughs> They've been doing this over and over and over so many times. Uh, but and then, and he says, of course, he says yes. And then he starts opening up the scriptures and I'm and to something that I've never seen, never, yeah. le never learned. And and I'm thinking, how could there be so much? You know, we're, you know, this is a terrible example, but we're, we, we like read on a page, right? Mm -hmm. Now imagine if that page was a mile thick. Mm -hmm. You see, he's, he's, there's so much to, to what God has revealed and who he is and all that there is. Our brains, we can read on a page, but we've yet to, to depth thickness, right? Yeah. So that's what I feel like every time I come to a feast, it's like, well, it's a feast, it's Rosh Hashanah. But this time, you know, I got to say, just the year changes it. Mm -hmm. We're in Pei Gimel this Sunday night, we, the 5783. We're going to shift, and guess what? That changes Rosh Hashanah. That changes the year just because you're in a different year. It opens up some new things that God hasn't shared yet. And I was just blown away. So wow. if ever you feel like this is just so much, yes. Yes, yes, yes it is. You've got it. Mm. We're talking about Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, which begins on Sunday evening through Monday. And that's a brand new year, 5783, the beginning of the 10 days of awe, which lead to Yom Kippur. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, these fall feasts are a uh, throwback to the, the Passover and Pentecost and first fruits and unleavened bread. It's a throwback to all of those, and they're all connected. So the reason we come in and teach and share is to help you prepare. And uh, this particular one, I love Rosh Hashanah because it's the birth of Jesus. And, you know, Christmas is okay. I like the tree and the presents and all that, all right? But I love this particular day, and it doesn't matter what day, literal, literal day. It's Rosh Hashanah, 2,025 years ago. And so what we were started to do is, how do we know he was born on this day? Well, there's different opinions and people, and I think it's, you know, for me, I believe it because in doing the research, this is where I come up. And so we're looking at a few things. We looked about... Uh, how do we, the shepherds, how did they find him and about the manger? And uh, the other verse was that they, uh, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Talked about why there would be no room. But the other question is, what, what is this inn? <laughs> right. A hotel in Bethlehem, really? <laughs> um, the word translated as inn and into our Bibles is katalima. And it means a guest chamber, not an inn. A katalima would have been a guest room in the family home in Bethlehem. All right, so you're not some random person. It's your, if you have a big enough house, you might have an extra bedroom where somebody comes to visit. You have a bed laid out there. And, and if it's your family home where you always come together for feasts, this is a very communal thing. So it would have been a guest room that Mary and Joseph would stay in when they visited at least three times a year for the feast, just like every other Jew who could get back. 
Both Joseph and Mary were direct descendants of King David, whose lineage and property went back to Boaz, who married Ruth. Boaz owned a home with a threshing floor in Bethlehem, which by right of inheritance was handed down to succeeding generations. Joseph was of David's lineage through his son Solomon. Mary was of David's lineage through his son Nathan, the brother of Solomon. They're both from the royal line. All right, So they're away because they had to protect Jesus when he was first born, but this is their home. So it wasn't an inn anyways. So again, once again, they, they, there was no room only because she couldn't stay there because she would make everybody unclean, not because they didn't have room for her. Now, the next question, are these magi? What an interesting characters these guys are. David was king of Israel around the year 1000 BC. His kingdom split in two after his son Solomon died. Eventually, the 10 northern tribes of Israel fell in 723 BC and were taken to Assyria. Most were never heard from again. 126 years later, 597 B.C., the southern kingdom of Judah, this was the, side, the tribe of David and eventually Jesus, was taken into captivity to Babylon by uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. After the fall of Babylon to the Persian king Cyrus the Great in 539 B.C. It's a lot of numbers, not really important. Many returned to Jerusalem, though. These guys got to come back. But many did not return, and they said they made a life in Babylon. The Magi were a class of hereditary scholar-priests who first appeared in Babylon. They were magicians, enchanters, and astrologists. Throughout their history, most of them never stopped practicing the occult. Even today, most are Zoroastrians. They're still around the world. But some did, obviously. Some follow the true living God, and some still do. Why? Well, and how? <laughs> That's the other question. They were heavily influenced by some of the Jewish captives, including a guy by the name of Daniel. Mm -hmm. And their history and faith was quite different. So if you go check out this, this group of people, who uh, the Magi, who are still able to track down, they were monotheistic. They believed in one God like Israel, which is a rarity. If <laughs> They might have been the only other people that did. They had an altar which burned with a perpetual flame kindled by God from heaven, like Israel. They had another altar where they offered blood sacrifices. They lit the fire to burn the sacrifice with the flame off the perpetual altar. Sounds familiar. It's Israel. They ate the sacrifices. Now listen, that is unique to Passover. That's never done by anybody anywhere. That is extremely unique. They had a hereditary priesthood just like the Levites. So obviously, you even the things that they held on to were very strong. So all those standards are found in only one place, the Torah of Moses. They're the rules of the Levites and Israelites, given to them directly by God. So the fact that these folks in, in Assyria and Babylon have that, had to get it from there. The Bible says King Nebuchadnezzar had a troubling dream, asked his astrologers and enchanters to tell him his dream, interpret its meaning. Astrologers answered the king, there's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. See, these guys, they only had the occult. They were powerless. They were in big trouble. Mm -hmm. They believe it is, in fact, gods is plural there, so they didn't even worship God. So God had anointed Daniel with the gift of interpreting dreams through the power of the Holy Spirit. Daniel was able to describe and explain the king's great prophetic dream. And all these guys were not, so he kind of stood apart. Because of Daniel's ability to interpret dreams and visions, he was appointed by Nebuchadnezzar and later by his son Belshazzar to be chief of the magicians, which means master of the magi, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. So he was in charge. 
Daniel didn't enchant, he didn't do astrology or divine, but he continued to lead the Magi, serving in the courts of the Medes, which is King Darius, and the Persians, King Cyrus. When the degree of Cyrus came that the Jews could go back to Israel, the majority of the Jews never went back. They stayed in Babylon, intermingled and intermarried. Some became rulers, some became Magi, and retained their Jewish identity as a tribe of Judah following the God of Israel. The Magi continued to rise and were consulted by kings and rulers and tutors to nobles and princes. Darius the Great elevated the Magi over the state religion of Persia. That's how influ influential these guys were. They became the supreme priestly caste of the Persian Empire and continued to be prominent during the subsequent Seleucid, Parthian, and Sasanian periods. At the time of Christ in the Parthian Persian Empire, the ruling house was called the Magistanes. It was composed of Magi. One of their jobs was the selection of a king. That's the most powerful people on the planet. In any, in any empire, you choose the king. At the time of Christ, they had just deposed their king, so they were looking for a new king for the entire Eastern Empire who could lead them against Rome. They had fought Rome twice in the previous 50 years, by the way. Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Then Herod the king heard this. He was troubled, disturbed is the word, and all Jerusalem with him. So the visit of the Magi is not a visit of three guys on camels. <laughs> this is not a Sunday play. They traveled with Persian cavalry. <laughs> the timing for war was really bad for Rome. Both Herod and Caesar Augustus were old. Tiberius, the commander of the Roman, arm Roman army, had retired. So this is Herod was troubled. The Greek <laughs> word there means shaking. Okay, yeah. So these guys come up. They're, they're an army has approached him. And, and they're searching for a king. And we're going to make a king. And we, and we hear he's here and he's not you. And so you can imagine this is not going well for this particular visit. So coming up. Uh, Will, as again, we've got just a couple places here to tell you how we know that Jesus was born on Rosh Hashanah. And uh, we'll tell you through some of the working of the Magi, because how do they know where to go? How do they get there, for goodness sakes? Well, because of their history, they knew exactly, and Daniel had prepared them. So, And he still is one of the most amazing prophets and looking forward of stuff that we still don't know that's still been sealed. So we'll, we'll check on that next. Wow. Whew.